If you can go out and fire raw land, nobody knows what to do with it but a developer. Let's say I'm out of town or you just decide you're driving by. The first thing you need to say when you walk in the door of that builder is I am working with a real estate agent. If you've got a client and you're taking yes. them new construction, you need to be with them. That builder will not let you in the house until they have the money, period. It surprises me how often I have talked to agents and, and I'm like advising someone to get an inspection on a new construction. And they're like, why would you do that? It's new. All right, today we're gonna to talk about new construction. It is, it can be a confusing process if you uh, have not encountered it often. And so we wanna go through uh, new construction and understanding new construction so that you can uh, walk into these situations and know exactly what to do and how to handle. So uh, by the way, please take some time to like, subscribe, give us a like on Instagram. We're trying to grow our Instagram audience. Um, so please uh, follow us there. All right, let's jump in. So the first thing I wanted to talk about with new construction is just generally how it works and uh, the developers and builders and all that stuff so that you just have some understanding on on the process of, of new construction and how we even get to houses. So, so, so the first thing is just the development of a parcel of land. And so basically you have a piece of land that somebody has purchased. They've got a plat map or so they generally know where the floodplain is, how much the top the topography, how much of it's going to be used, how many lots they, they can put on it. And so what developers do is they will purchase and prep that land. So they're doing all of the work to get streets and city approvals and sewer and electrical run out there. And so that's the developer's job is just to prep the land for houses to be built on it. Yep. Um, and so that's a, a big consideration um, when builders are going is like, hey, how far are they along in the process of getting this land ready? And when do they open it up um, for lots to be purchased? So basically, yeah, those developers are are putting it out there or basically prepping that land and getting it all ready um, for it to be built on. So that process can take a long time. It can take years. And so that's where that development part of it is a long process, but it can be very profitable as well. So that's yep. what the developer does. And it's a, it's great to know developers as an agent, yeah. like it, have some of these um, guys or gals in your back pocket, because if you can go out and fire raw land, nobody knows what to do with it, but a developer yeah. or someone who's ha who's had experience developing. And if you know these people, again, you can help them find their target area or location or whatever, and they can develop it into a community and you can negotiate a deal with them. Uh, possibly in, even get in on the backside uh, right. as an agent. So definitely try to meet some of these people in your community if you can, because they're great people to know. Yeah. Op, and op, the other thing is, sorry, I tripped up there. The other thing is just with developers is you want a developer with some vision, right? So that they're not just throwing up a piece of land, right? You want them to to understand what the community should look like, how it should operate, you know, and I know that people don't like HOAs, but HOAs keep property values high, yep. um, as annoying as they can be. They keep property values high, so or higher. So, uh, you know, you want a developer with some vision that is building out a nice neighborhood. So basically, they do this: they build out the neighborhood, and then they turn those lots over to be purchased. And depending on the structure of the neighborhood, like what can be built out there, right? They typically have some guidelines on the type of construction and what can be, you know, like what, what can the exterior of the house have as a, yep. you know, like it's a brick and there are 
uh, you know, approved uh, exterior, approved size of houses, approved, you know, you, like uh, you can't buy two lots and build a bigger house on it, things like that. So yeah, all there, of that stuff's going to be lined up. There's all kinds of regulations and they go a bunch of different directions from here. So you can have uh, lots that can be purchased by consumers, by buyers mm -hmm. that just can go out and find their own builder. You can have an approved builder's list. Um, you can have uh, timetables on how quickly you have to have the home built. So like yeah. you can't just buy a lot and sit on it. Um, you know, there's a number of different directions that can go from here. Um, point being, though, these lots typically get turned over to either a, a builder, a group of builders or uh, buyers. And then um, a home needs to be built on them generally in, in a certain amount of time. Not always, but usually uh, they want the community to keep going and not just uh, have building going on forever. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll have builders. They they have what's called a takedown schedule. So you're committing as a builder to buy a certain amount of lots and to pay for these lots at certain intervals. So they want, like to your point, it's like they want it to keep moving. They don't want to sit on lots for 10 years, right? So it's like, hey, yeah. you're going to be a builder. You're going to be in this neighborhood and you're going to, you're, you have, you have to buy five lots immediately and then you have to buy another 10 lots within six <clears throat> months or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And then it can get uh, <clears throat> infinitely stricter from here, more strict that it's um, like Franklin, you know, had a new community uh, near downtown and uh, it was right near the Harpeth River and like they had to abide by some of the um, existing construction yeah. strategies and, and techniques that they use in the, in the city of Franklin. So it was like very, very specific on what you can build, like very specific. And so, you know, you just never know what you're going to wind up with depending on the community. Yeah. And there's a spectrum of builders, right? So you have the, the first is just a hometown builder, you know, somebody that is, uh, you know, a local probably builds something like 12 to 20 houses a year, something like that. Yep. And these folks are really great because you can chat with them. Um, you've got more uh, control in the selection and design process and what you want to see for houses. Um, you've got, yeah, you just ha can make more decisions in that process and you've got direct contact with that builder. The challenge with smaller builders is that they typically don't have very organized processes they can run behind. Their contractors may not show up in time. It can delay the construction schedule. So there's a lot of give there. So you have to walk in with a hometown builder and just understand they may not be really, really dialed in. And they may, and they often aren't. And this, by the way, if you're a builder and you're listening to this and you're a hometown builder, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just talking about generally speaking, uh, they are not great communicators because they have so many phone calls throughout the course of the day between contractors and yeah. people who are interested in properties. So a lot of times they can just get bogged down. Yeah. I've, I've built personally homes with all different types of builders <laughs> and there's pros and cons to all of them. What I would say about the hometown builder is very similar to what you just said and, and that you're not going to have the project management layer, yeah, the the layer that is keeping you constantly informed about what happens next, what's currently underway, when it's expected to be completed, when you're going to get CO, all these different things. You don't, you're probably not going to have that. Like mm -hmm. you've got the builders; he's probably a one man shop or or she's a one man shop, and you've got their cell phone number. You can call them. They may or may not get back to you in <laughs> 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, but generally speaking, they, you know, they know what they're doing. They're going to build a good home. It just might, it might take longer and yep. you might not know exactly where you are in the process. Yeah. By the way, CEO is a good term to just, it's, it's certificate of occupancy. So that's basically the approval by the governing body, which is the city or county to let somebody live in that house as a yep. certificate, CEO, certificate of occupancy. Okay. So um, then you have like large regional builders. So they typically are building a really good product. Uh, their processes are generally organized 
but there's can, there can be contractor issues or there's a, a, often a squeeze on the money because these regional builders, um, they're not quite where they have just, they're super tons and tons of capital. Um, so they might get in a squeeze with them. This is, and again, there's even a spectrum there with the regional builders. So some of them can be highly organized, plenty of capital, but there's often some that can kind of get in a squeeze with contractors and money and so, and, or changeover of contractors a lot. So they don't have those processes dialed in or, or they may have to go with a cheaper contractor. So, so sometimes you may have some delays or you may have some quality issues at that regional builder level. Yeah. Not always. Yeah. What I found when I built with like more of a regional style builder was that, um, you know, in general, the, the product was great, you know, like the, the actual, like the, the build was very solid. Um, but they're, they're running into growing pains as an organization because they're, they're trying to build more regionally, but they don't really have enough people yet to do that. So mm-hmm. you'll constantly run into, well, you know, the plumber was supposed to be at, <laughs> at your house today, but now they're across town and yeah. they're going to be back over here next week. And because we can't do that, you know, we're not going to get to this. And so you you generally, like you said, have some delays, but everything's, you know, well built and you're going to end up with a great product, but yeah. just maybe a little bit longer timeline. You do still have some some control over over what you may change because they're still small enough where they may allow some of the the changes to the plans and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and, and then as you work up to uh, our next topic, which is more of a national builder, you probably have less control over that. Yeah, it's exactly right. That's you articulated that perfectly. It's the growing pains. They're yeah. they're in between. You're yeah. right, and so it's it's always in any business in in sort of that middle range is typically going through growing pains. Yeah. The other is that the large regional builder, which they've got a good product, their processes are dialed in, you know, there might be a little bit of contractor issue, but um, uh, but generally the contractors are more reliable because they're, they're wanting to select contractors that are like, you know, basically can put the bids together and yep. that they're going to be with them for a long time so that they have consistency with the quality of the product over time. So the contractors are typically bigger and they're paying them just a little bit more money. So, um, but you really have very little decision-making. It's like, Hey, do you want it or not? Yeah. And those, so those builders, while they may have a generally good customer service, uh, they generally might have good customer service. You don't, they're like, Hey, you can kind of take it or leave it on this. Yeah. The national builders are, are exactly that way. They are stamping these things out. They have a set of, of home home plans that they built thousands of times and they can build them very quickly. Yeah. So they're usually right on time. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually allow very little choice. You might get, you're going to get paint colors and, and a few like fixture color changes or, or light fixture options or whatever like that, but it's going to be very minimal. Um, but you're going to get an on-time product that, that the contractors that are building them have built them so many times that they can do it in their sleep. Uh, so it in, you end up, end up with a quality product, but um, just very quickly and, and you know, very on schedule. They're going to have project management layers. They're going to have all kinds of corporatized uh, things that are going on that, that make you feel like you're in the loop a lot more. And it's yeah. just a little bit more streamlined. Yeah, they've got like, yeah, their walkthrough is dialed in. They're after. I, there was one um, really great builder that I've worked with here. They actually gave me like a $50 gift card just for giving them feedback on their process. Yeah, a fifty dollars gift card to a restaurant. Really yeah, that's nice a perfect restaurant. example. Yeah. It's just everything's like streamlined, and yeah. and you, you're right. Like it, it, they're going to know well in advance of when they're scheduling walkthroughs, when they're scheduling uh, certain times for you to show up in the home to to do like a quality check with the with some sort of like QC person in, in the organization, and everything's going to be very smooth. Yeah. 
And then you get into the salespeople for these builders. They could select, you know, the smaller they are, they're probably going to be working. They should be working with a real estate agent. Uh, uh, the bigger they get, they may or may not have a real estate license because a lot of times <laughs> the builders don't want the regulation <laughs> on yep. the on the um, uh, from the state um, because they're doing their their own contracts and things like that. And so sometimes having a real estate agent as a salesperson can kind of tie them down a little bit or add a level of, of bureaucracy. So sometimes they'll just, they just want a regular salesperson for them. Um, so yeah, it can be back and forth, but the, your interaction with a salesperson is generally going to be good yeah. across the board. Yep. I, I mean, the only thing I would say here is that, you know, how you're getting to the point where if you've got a client and you're taking yes. them new construction, you need to be with them. Don't just mm-hmm. send your client off to go look at a bunch of new construction neighborhoods because guess what? If they start talking to the builder, the builder's going to try to do it directly with your buyer. Yeah. No, they, no, not on, not to just, I don't think they're being malicious about it, but it's just simpler for them. You have to lock in your clients. Yeah. It, it, it's critical. And in the buyer consultation, which we've talked about a million times, you have to do a buyer, buyer consultation. You need to tell them, it's like, hey, if for any reason, let's say I'm out of town or you just decide you're driving by the first thing you need to say when you walk in the door of that builder is I am working with a real estate agent because for a couple of reasons, number one, that most builders have a policy that if you're not there and they didn't say anything, then you're not involved in the yep. process. So you can't come back after the fact and try no. to get a commission from them if they've already started working on a deal and buyers will do this. I'm telling you, they'll be just like, Hey, you know, let's just drive by. Well, actually their model homes open. Let's go in. Oh my gosh, I love this. And then they're like, hey, this thing isn't going to be gone if you like it. And then before you know it, then yeah. you're getting cut out of a commission. It happens. Very, so, very frequently. So make sure that, you know, in that buyer consultation process that um, that you discuss that with them. And then also um, just make sure as often as you can to be with them on those uh, when they're looking. Yeah, people feel like there's not a lot of negotiation in a new build, but there is. And if they're not represented, if a client walks in the door and just starts working with a builder and doesn't know that, they're they're potentially leaving a lot on the table. So they right. need your representation. There's a reason why we have agents for both sides so that everybody's best interest um, is being upheld. And so you, make sure you're with your clients. Yeah, make yeah, make sure you're with them. Okay, so um, so yeah, the other thing is if for any reason you. I have done this before. Just call and register your clients. Be like, hey, I've got some clients coming by. They're, this is their name. They are with me if for whatever reason. So, okay. Uh, when it comes to writing the offer, most of the time builders have their own offer. Okay. So, and their salesperson is going to write it up. So all you really need to do there is just review the contract, but nothing's really going to change in it. Like they've got that stuff pretty dialed in. So you're kind of, you feel like you're maybe on the sideline there and the contract writing other than just reviewing the contract. So, um, yeah, so that's something to consider there is like, don't get, you know, offended about that or, or been out of shape. It's like, that's just part of, that's just how it works. Usually their person knows the builder contract. So they're able to articulate everything that needs to be, and you just need to check it. And honestly, I don't like this practice. I've never understood why builders feel like they need to have their own contract. Um, a lot of this can be handled with, you know, other documents that are already, you know, available to mm-hmm. real estate agents. I've, I've never liked this practice, but it is what it is. And so mm-hmm. usually you're right. The the agent that's in-house is going to write it up. You're going to review it with your client, get it signed and bring it back. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing, what did I want to say about, um, you're, you're typically not going to move the price down. So when people are shopping for houses, if you've got buyers shopping for houses, 
you're not going to want to come at them with a lower offer because they're trying to preserve comps because if they bring that price that house price down all the others all they have to bring all the others down so they're going to keep the price at the price is the price where you're going to see the most negotiation is in the concessions so you can get concessions like closing costs you can get concessions for you know uh, upgrades upgrades uh i've even seen concessions for like putting a fence in and yep. you know adding totally. a gas stove or you know all of these concessions can happen because those are not going to show up on the MLS, right? And they're yep. going to mess up their comps. <clears throat> so yeah, that's what you want to do there is just understand and have, make sure your buyers understand the price is the price where you negotiate is what they will do for that price. And generally speaking, I mean, not always depends on the market, but you can get a lot. You can get appliance upgrades, you can get builder upgrades, you can get all, you know, closing costs. They're more than happy to do that. So there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of negotiation that can happen in a new build. Don't think it's like, you know, Home Depot, where you walk in, the price is the price. It's not the case. The price might be, but there's a lot of negotiation on the back end. So uh, definitely be with your clients and understand that uh, ahead of time. All right. This next one you're not going to like, which is the lender. And a lot of times these builders, most of the time these builders have their preferred lender and they will offer closing costs if the buyer uses their lender and they will not offer those closing costs if you use another lender and there is nothing you can do about it. Yep. And honestly, if I ever get one of these that come across my desk, like, hey, this is the offer we have from the builder's lender. Uh, can you match it? I'm going to be honest. I mean, like, look, I can't. Um, they're doing something. They're working, you know, in tandem. And it's just uh, it's a it's very advantageous to use the builder's lender unless there's just something I see that's just complete garbage, like they're jacking the rate up or doing something like that. Then usually I'm just I, I'll always I'm honest. I'm just saying, look, here's that's the best deal. Yeah. So the lender's going to get, could be get been out of shape about it. Maybe your buyers want to use, it's like, that's just kind of what they do. Typically what happens is that that lender has an MSA, a marketing service agreement with that builder, um, which they are, you know, helping them with some of the marketing or some signs or whatever they, they, that's all legal under an MSA. Uh, so they're going to incentivize the buyers to use that lender. Um, that's just part of the process. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to go back to on the offer writing piece yeah. is as a real estate agent, you need to understand this. Um, whenever you sign a contract for new construction and let's say the price is 300,000, if your client goes and does 50,000 worth of upgrades and the price ends up being 350,000, you're only going to get paid on that initial 300,000. So just know that don't be upset at yeah. the end when the price has been, you know, increased by all these different upgrades and you don't get paid on the 350 as your commission, you get paid on the 300. It happens every time. Yep. That's the way it works. Just know that on the front end. Yeah, I'm glad. So, yeah, they're paying a commission on the base price. Yes, on the base price. That's yeah. right. Some builders base have a flat rate and that's just what they pay. And yeah, so well, and that's the case too, especially those national builders going back to those, like they're oftentimes it's like we pay 5,000 flat or whatever flat. And th that's just, just what it is. It. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now the next part would be the inspections in the process. And I always do them. And I realize that it is a new product. However, a lot of times contractors, they're human beings, they're blowing and going. They ran out of, you know, fasteners for this one thing. They're like, I'm going to come back there tomorrow and fix that. And then they forget about it. Just, it just happens. So it's better to have that inspector go through uh, on behalf of your buyers, identify put any potential issues, and then you basically deliver those to the builder as a punch list. 
it's, it's pretty surpri- simple. It surprises me how often I have talked to agents and and I'm like advising someone to get an inspection on a new construction. And they're like, why would you do that? It's new. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. you think all builders are perfect and that every <laughs> single, um, you know, yeah. you know, person that they've used every single trade has done exactly what they need to do every time no yeah. i mean just get an inspector to take a look at it it's a couple hundred bucks and it, it could certainly help you make sure you get everything on the punch list done before yeah. you move in before your clients move in well that way because you know you don't want your clients moving in and discovering a problem after and then having to get the builders like handyman or whoever back out there who's already on a six-month wait list because he's doing one-year uh warranties Right, one year yeah. warranty upgrades because so most builders have a one year warranty. So uh, at the around the eleven month period, everybody makes a list of everything that they want done in that one year according to the warranty. And so, a lot of times that handyman or plumber or whoever they get really really backed up um, on the uh, you know as far as like things that they got to do or houses that they have to visit. And so yeah, you might deliver that and have to wait for a while. Yep. So it's better to get that done on the front end while everybody's still engaged in that process. Yeah. Okay. Um, the last thing would be uh, closing. We have said this before. Midweek closings are best. Morning closings are best. Here's what I can guarantee. You. This happened over and over and over again. That builder will not let you in the house until they have the money, period. Yep. They won't let you move anything in. They don't even want you to put things in the garage. And we've had to do that. Like, would you let us put stuff in the garage? Because the wire didn't go through because at the end of the day, and like we talked about before, it's like you batch, they'll batch wires. And if you don't, if you have a later closing, it's 345 and they didn't catch that four o'clock batch, you're not going to get in there till Monday or the next day. So make sure you do a morning closing. A lot of people get upset with builders about not letting you move stuff in, but you have to understand these are job sites and that people are coming in all the time. And, and construction materials are being stolen. People are walking through houses that are unlocked because they haven't gotten to the point where they're putting locks on the doors and things like that. They do not want the liability of your stuff getting stolen out of the garage, and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just the way it works. Things aren't going to be moved in. And I'm seeing more and more builders do the um, stipulations about what the close date can be. Like it can't be the Monday after a Friday holiday. It can't be on Friday. It can't be after, you know, 11 a.m. Like all these, because of these problems, like they they are not going to let you in unless it's funded. And people keep asking, like, can I get the keys? And it's Friday and now you got to wait till Monday. They're not going to do it. So make sure you do your midweek closes. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, on the new construction, it's just important to be attentive at each each of these steps so that you know. And, and the point of this is that you can kind of get a broad stroke idea of what happens in new construction and advise your buyers in the right way. Um, so uh, any other closing thoughts from Just you? that as existing home inventory remains low, there's going to be a lot of new construction out there. Yeah. Um, they're trying to get caught up. They're way behind new construction home builds um, in most uh, markets, especially ours. And so you're going to see a lot more of this new construction. So make sure you get up to speed on how it works because you do not want to be learning this as you go with your new client. Make sure that you you understand how this process works. Absolutely. Yeah, save this episode somewhere so you can come back to it. All right, guys, as always, uh, please like, please subscribe, follow us on Instagram, give us a rating uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week.